Good morning and happy Easter. As Whitney said, my name is Michael Southwick, and it is a blessing for me to be here to worship with you this morning. My home parish is just down the road at Christ Church Greenwich. Whitney was kind enough to invite me to share with you a little bit about my journey of faith and how this 53-year-old structured finance attorney finds himself now a witness to Christ and a postulant for holy orders to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church in Connecticut. As I begin, I need to point out that there is absolutely nothing remarkable about my journey. Nothing I have done suggests a unique vision into faith or a special approach to a relationship with Jesus. Quite the contrary. Everything about my journey revolves around recognizing the countless ways in which God is working in all of our lives every day and then trusting in that knowledge. If I happen to say something that is helpful to any of you in your own journey, then I am thankful that I could be a vehicle through which God has been able to reach you today. I was raised in a loving home in New Jersey, and my wife of now nearly 29 years I met in elementary school. I was baptized a Presbyterian as a baby, but can probably count on one hand the number of times I attended a church again after that until college. I did not really think much about my faith, didn't recognize that anything was missing until many years later. At Georgetown, then Boston College Law School, I began to be introduced to God. But my somewhat limited undergraduate coursework and sporadic church attendance cannot be said to have provided me either with a true understanding of the need for a structured religion or anything like what it meant to be in a relationship with Christ. Without question, the single biggest influence in my spiritual journey has been my wife, Debbie. Raised in a loving family, steeped in the tradition of the Episcopal Church, Debbie introduced me to the importance of the habit of attending church, a regular prayer life, and the need for a community of faith. It was through these practices that, over time, I would come to understand the simple yet fundamental principle that circumstances in our lives are derived from God's plan for us, and we must trust in that plan, though we may know little about it as it develops. Debbie and I were blessed with three children in five years, and as our attendance at Christ Church became regular, I soon found myself raising my children in the Episcopal Church. They were all baptized, attended Sunday school, served as acolytes, and were confirmed Episcopalians. While their growth and enrichment was going on right before my eyes, I must admit that I was more interested in the family time that attending church provided than in, in the religion itself. It's a poor excuse, but this period came at a point in my legal career at a large New York law firm, which I am now embarrassed to admit, I was overly devoted to my work. Regrettably, I often found my attention misplaced on what was going on in that space, rather than at home or in the lives of my family, let alone at church or within my own spiritual life. In 2003, I experienced what in retrospect was probably the first sign that God was beginning to take hold of me, though at the time I knew nothing about it. I resigned from my position as in-house counsel at a financial services company. My resignation took my superiors at the firm completely by surprise. By all accounts, I was enjoying success in the office. Nonetheless, I was overcome with the sense that I needed to leave and evaluate what I was or should be doing with my life. At that time, I attributed it to burnout as opposed to the breath of the Holy Spirit. But over the course of the next year and a half, I took some much needed time off to spend with my wife and kids became a member of the Connecticut Bar, and started my own practice. In 2005, however, primarily for economic reasons, I returned to practice of law at my original firm in New York. Thus, after a short break, I found myself back in the high-paced world of structured finance, a world which I knew well and in which I felt perfectly under control. 
I was happy to once again be making an adequate living to support my family, yet somehow I felt as if I had missed an opportunity. Then came the financial crisis in 2008, and although I never lost my job the way many of my colleagues did, my practice industry was crippled. The world as I knew it was crumbling around me. I had to retool myself several times within the firm in order to keep my position and reassemble my career. But each day it was becoming more and more difficult for me to find any satisfaction in my work. Predictably, I was simultaneously becoming less and less cheerful participant at home. The machine was clearly breaking down, and for the first time in my life I was feeling completely lost. I was depressed, insecure, and not much fun to be around for the people I loved the most, my family. My confidence was dramatically shaken and I was rapidly losing hope in my ability to find a solution on my own. It was around this time that I began speaking with a dear friend and minister about what I was feeling. He listened patiently to me on several occasions and introduced me to a host of theological writings to help me try to get my mind around what I was experiencing. I found great comfort in the works of Thomas Merton, N.T. Wright, C.S. Lewis, and others. As a lawyer, I was relieved and gratified to think that I could get the answers from a book, not appreciating then that the books were but a window into the source of the real answers. Even more satisfying was the misplaced notion that I was now in possession of a solution that I could control and manage by myself and on my own terms. I was soon to discover, however, that this could not have been further from the truth. During one of our conversations, I was explaining to my friend how I was finding myself a little lost and interested in becoming more active and volunteering my time to help those in need. Engaging in activities such as working with youth, going on midnight runs in New York City, and helping to build a library in Rwanda really did seem to make me feel better. And I thought if I could merely increase the level of that involvement, I might start feeling better still and get over my emotional slump. But then my friend asked me straight out, how is your relationship with Jesus Christ? I had no answer. I said something meaningless, like I thought it was fine. I went to church regularly, I told him, prayed from time to time, and was generally comfortable with my spiritual life. He nodded, smiled, offered a couple of additional reading ideas, and suggested we meet again when we could. I readily agreed, but went home feeling as though something had changed. Reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis for the first time was a seminal moment in my life. I was deeply touched by Lewis's systematic explanation of Christianity and the logical, common-sense analysis he provided. Finally, there it was in plain language, and it cut deep into my heart. I realized then that part of what I was feeling, in fact, virtually everything that I was feeling, was that I needed to relinquish control. I was no longer capable of solving life's challenges on my own, as I had believed up to then I was completely able to do. I needed to transform my emptiness into a trust and fullness that only could be provided in one way, through Jesus Christ. I knew that I was broken and needed help. I also knew, however, that going down this road would be the most difficult and humbling thing I had ever done. In May of 2011, at the age of 47, I was proudly confirmed as an Episcopalian at Christchurch Greenwich. It was a major step and significant turning point in my spiritual journey. I had by this time been struggling to find the courage to rely on my newly acquired and growing trust in God, and I knew the time had come for a change. Around this time, I had take, taken to going on long walks in New York City on my lunch break. I would always walk alone and at no particular pace. Over time, I found my walks taking me consistently past Trinity Church on Wall Street. One day, I decided to walk in just to look around. 
I was, of course, overwhelmed by the beauty and majesty of the main sanctuary. But then I found All Saints Chapel, and I knew instantly that my future walks would be shortened and in time would often be simply a direct trip from my office to this quiet, peaceful, and holy place. Over the course of the next two years, I would, be, I would come to All Saints regularly, sometimes to sit quietly, sometimes to read the Bible or Book of Common Prayer, sometimes to cry, but always to pray. I would most often pray to, for God to help me understand what was happening to me, to help me learn how to listen to what he was trying to tell me about my brokenness, and to give me the patience, humility, and hope to see his solution. As this practice continued, along with my regular church attendance each Sunday and participation in a variety of Bible study groups, I felt a slow transformation beginning to take place. I began to reorganize my work life, and at home I was slowly, through long talks, walks, and prayers with my wife, working hard to become a better husband and father. I was not aware of it at first, not able to articulate what was happening, but over a period of a couple of years, it began, it began to become more and more clear what it was. God was answering my prayers. Now all I had to do was listen. It was at that point that I began to hear the call. What exactly that was, however, was still less than clear to me. As I listened more carefully to God, I began to understand that my life was no longer about me, my accomplishments, or my success. I realized for the first time that my purpose in life was to love Jesus Christ, and if I honored that purpose each and every day, everything else would fall into place. I had accepted Jesus as my Savior, and it became clear that what I needed to do now was honor that undeserved yet unconditional blessing. In retrospect, what I was feeling was, in a way, predicted by the words we heard this morning in the Gospel reading. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. No, I had not seen God. No lightning bolt had struck, and yet I was most definitely coming to believe. But how I was going to be able to work toward that goal remained a mystery to me. Loving Christ and my neighbor, serving the poor, and living the gospel had become the obvious yet challenging solution. I was becoming increasingly aware that I was but a vehicle through which God would work, but I never would have anticipated that I truly felt that the time had come for me to put down my net and follow Jesus. I became certain, however, that the main thing I could do to begin this, to answer this call was to stay out of God's way as he worked on me and check my own sense of pride and control at the door. The problem was how it would be possible to rearrange my life in such a way to start in earnest down this path when such a decision would clearly affect the economics of life at home as well as require significant sacrifices on the part of my family. I needed to see a way forward, and I was terrified. Thankfully, I took great comfort from the support of my wife and the knowledge that I was not alone and through prayer and discernment that God would show me the answer. As a first step in 2013, I resigned my position at the law firm and established my own legal practice at home in Connecticut, focusing on the corporate needs of nonprofit companies. However, I knew that I was also missing a critical component in moving my journey forward, a comprehensive religious education that would bolster my faith and equally as important, provide me with the skills and training necessary to help me know Christ more fully and to participate more effectively in the hard work ahead. I applied and was somehow accepted at Berkeley Divinity School at Yale. It was at that point when the expected rejection letter did not arrive, the one I thought would be a signal that despite my change of heart there would have to be other ways in which I could serve Christ, that I began to understand and admit to myself 
that my call was actually a bit different than I had originally thought. It hit me then, and has grown in clarity each day since, that God was leading me to discern a call that was far broader than that of a nonprofit lawyer with a firm theological background. My experience at Berkeley demonstrated to me how very much in need I had been of a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ within a community dedicated to that common purpose. Attending morning prayer regularly and participating daily in the Eucharist with my new colleagues quickly became the cornerstone of each day. By the end of the first semester, I was in conversation with the Episcopal Church in Connecticut and seriously discerning the possibility that in fact I was being called to the priesthood. The relationships that I was able to forge with the extraordinary group of individuals at Berkeley is something that will forever leave a print on my heart. There can be no doubt that the life experiences that brought each of us to Berkeley were very different. I struggled at times to understand how my admittedly sheltered and blessed personal and professional circumstances could stand upright beside some of the tremendous challenges that so many of my colleagues had survived and overcome. I took great comfort resting in the fact that regardless of how we all came together, it was nothing but the grace of God that had made it so. Beyond that, I sought no further explanation, but it did incentivize me to share my experience with others who may be struggling with some of the same questions. As I approached the conclusion of my first year at part-time study at Berkeley, I was highly optimistic that the summer would hold several significant projects that would keep me fully occupied with my law practice in a way that would provide income I would need to support my family and launch me comfortably into the next year of my studies. However, late in May of 2015, first one and then another of these projects failed to materialize, and I was faced with the very real threat of not being able to continue at Berkeley and needing quickly to find new employment. The situation soon became one of the most serious challenges yet to my journey, as I struggled to understand how this seemingly significant setback could possibly align with my strengthening belief in my call to the priesthood. After much prayer and conversation with Debbie, we decided that I would in fact seek full-time employment back in the real world and at least temporarily suspend my studies, recognizing that this decision would also mean that any further discernment would be interrupted for an indefinite though hopefully not permanent, period of time. Even as this decision was made and sadness seeped into my outlook, I was able to ma maintain my belief that somehow, through faith and prayer, I would ultimately find peace and understanding. The only way I can describe what happened next is to say that notwithstanding this serious bump in the road, God was watching. Within days of my beginning to search for new employment, I was contacted by a former colleague who said he had no idea what I was doing or if I might be interested in a new opportunity, but his major client, the Salvation Army, was beginning a search for a general counsel in the Eastern Territory, and if I was interested, he thought I might be a good fit. Remarkably, he had no idea that I was in the midst of discerning a call to the priesthood, had been attending divinity school, or that I was in the midst of uh, very recently determining that I needed a new job. Within a few months, I emerged from the interview process, and since September of 2015, I've been blessed to be working alongside a literal army of ordained and lay followers of Christ, dedicated in everything that they do to proclaiming the gospel and serving all of God's children throughout the northeastern United States. As I began living into this new vocation, I was also blessed to continue my conversation with the Commission on Ministry in the Episcopal Church in Connecticut and to further discern my call to the priesthood. Simply stated, I was somehow back on track 
although the path now looked very different from that which I had been on the previous year. In October 2016, my journey took a significant step forward as a postulant in the Episcopal Church in Connecticut. Having the opportunity to discuss my faith and journey with others in the church, including my dear friend and mentor Whitney, has been the greatest gift I could imagine. Although the road has been, and undoubtedly will continue to be, full of twists and turns, it has provided me with a chance to take a deep, reflective breath and really listen and look for the variety of ways that God is and has been working in my life. Frankly, the, the idea of discerning a call to the priesthood took me completely by surprise, and yet I have felt, never felt anything that I have known more to be true. I am convinced that I'm on the right path and committed to allowing God to continue to mold me as he will. At this point, my only expectation is, is that with much prayer, an open heart, and the support of others, I will be guided in a direction in which I will be able to be most effective in this pursuit. As I continue this journey, I humbly and cautiously believe that God is designing a role for me within the church and helping me to walk this life with dignity, grace, and compassion for others. There is no question in my mind that we are all on a journey. God's plan for each of us is unique, and only he knows how and why it develops. As I said at the beginning of our time this morning, there is absolutely nothing remarkable about my story, but there is everything remarkable about the way in which God speaks to each of us. I believe it is our job only to listen and act on what we hear. It is simultaneously the easiest instruction and most difficult task that any of us will ever face, but one in which we are each fully prepared to succeed, cradled in the love that God provides, even when we don't recognize it is right there beside us. It is with great humility that I recognize that the blessings that I have been given through both the good and the difficult times have strengthened my faith in Christ, and I am hopeful that perhaps my path can inspire or at least encourage those who will be far more capable than I to find the courage, strength, and faith to take that journey. And with each passing day, I take great comfort in the words of John's gospel that through believing, you may have life in his name. Thank you all for letting me share my story with you this morning. Amen.